minds. And here is your host, Gary Cacciolio. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to this show, who are Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Joseph Simkovic, author of How to Kiss the Universe, Ms. Aida, author, psychic, spellcaster, root worker, and witch. You can find her at MsAida.com. M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A dot com. And this episode is being sponsored by Ginger Glasser. And you can find Ginger at tarotbyginger.com. And she is a tarot reader, evidential medium, and healer. And again, you can find her at tarotbyginger.com. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is none other than Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger. Thank you for coming back on today. Gary, thank you for having me. It's always great to be back. Yeah. So what does the universe want us to talk about today, you think? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? This is one thing great about coming back and and being on your show is I can just sit here and be quiet, and all of a sudden we are in this conversation about anything and everything. After all, you know, if you can imagine it, it can happen, right? (laughs) But, you know, one thing I did want to talk about is as a psychologist, as a former psychologist, Mm -hmm. you know, once I opened up to spirit and that was, you know, just spontaneous, it just happened one day while I'm driving to work. But my training as a psychologist taught me to trust only what my physical senses could measure. Mm -hmm. So when I get hard, fast data that proves things to me. It's like, yes, I just feel so good about it. But I've had to do this huge paradigm shift Mm. where now I I trust things from the universe. But I had something that happened a few months ago that kind of married both of those worlds. Okay, interesting. I went back to the Monroe Institute. I love Monroe Institute, Mm -hmm. that place in Virginia where you just... You know, can spend an entire week in expanded consciousness. But I went to this program called Discovery. And it's different from most of their programs because this is an EEG-based study. Oh, cool. They, they, I know it's really cool. They limit the participants. I think there's only 14 participants. There's a lady that comes in. Her name is Judith. Pennington, mm-hmm. and she runs something that's called Mind Mirror. And Mind Mirror is an EEG program where, well, anyway, as participants, every morning we go and we get these EEGs glued to our scalps and we just look great, you know. <laughs> and then we, we would have these meditations. And while we were meditating, the EEG programs were displayed on their computers in these beautiful color-coded graphs. Mm -hmm. And Judith has done this for years. And so she has identified specific patterns. So, for example, if you are having an out-of-body experience, the pattern looks like this or that or, or whatever, but there are specific patterns. 
So what this did was when I would have an experience, there would be times that I would think, okay, I'm having an OBE, an out-of-body experience. But as many years as I've done this, I'm always questioning it. You know, oh, you know, mm-hmm. Candace, are you really just making this up? Right. <laughs> right. You don't have life. that verification. But then it's like, wow, there it is, the verification. And this is actually, I, I think it's the world's largest EEG study with having to do with consciousness mm-hmm. and out-of-body experiences and just global awakening you know, anywhere in the world. But it was it was fantastic because not only did you get to meditate, you proved to yourself if you doubted that you were having these experiences. It was great. Wow. So do they use this to kind of map different levels of consciousness and experience that people are having and then kind of correlate it all to see like, you know, like, Beta causes this, alpha causes this, or theta causes this. Oh, absolutely! And what's so great about it, you can you can see that as it occurs, because you know you can once you start in uh, a meditative state, you see that alpha coming out, and then you can you can go into those deeper areas, you know, like like theta, and it's fabulous because as you're having an experience you actually get to see it in real time. Mm-hmm. And one thing, for example, my messengers have talked to me about something they call um, bookmarking. So if you're having some huge experience, whether it's in a dream, whether it's meditative, whether you're just walking down the road and all of a sudden you think of something, you're in, in this like significant daydream, once you've made a connection to that other side, you can always go back to that. You can bookmark it. Well, hmm. during during this program, Judith talked to us about something called landmarks. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's exactly what the messengers have told me. So in, in one of the experiences, one of the meditations, I had this like really cool thing that happened. I thought, I'm going to bookmark this or landmark it. And you can do it in real. First of all, it just happens anyway. You can Mm -hmm. always imagine yourself back there. But as you're having the experience, Gary, you can actually stop yourself. And anyone can do this. You know, it's not as easy to do in a dream unless you're, you know, pretty lucid. But as soon as you have this connection, you just stop. You look around. It's like, what do you see? What do you feel? Maybe you're communicating with someone who's passed away. Take a look at that person. How are they dressed? Get in as much data as you can. And what you're doing is you are landmarking it or bookmarking the experience. Now, the messengers tell me that is that once you make that connection, it's like an electromagnetic path and you can always return. So, while I'm at this program, I have this really cool experience. And then when, you know, like after each meditation, you debrief, you take a look at all of the beautiful graphs and it's like, okay, then when you're here, you're having an out of body experience. And I thought, okay, I'm going to use this when we start the next exercise. 
So when the next exercise started, I used that bookmark and I went right back to that spot. Hmm. And I thought, we'll see if this actually works. I mean, I know it does, but right. I just love that proof. As we're debriefing afterwards, Judith says, oh, in about, you know, one minute into the meditation, you are in this perfect out of body state. And I thought, wow, I have just proved what I knew in my heart to be true because the messengers have told me we can get back to that. But it was, it was great because you could just feel and know in your heart what was occurring. But if you doubted, you had that, that proof. Wow. That, that, I makes, know. It was, it that, was, that makes a lot of sense though, because, um, you know, look at like some of the science behind like like neuroplasticity and neural pathways and how habits are formed and all of that. You know, once that's created in your brain, that connection is always going to be there. Yes. And, you know, and that's with pretty much anything that we 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 learn or experience, we can go back. You know, and, and remember it and experience it in our in our minds. So, you know, why not with um, these different levels of consciousness? Right. And when you mention neuroplasticity, that's exactly what this is like. We know that if, if people have had um, a stroke, for example, and that section of the brain dies, we can't use that anymore. Mm -hmm. But the brain is much more plastic and malleable than what we thought. It can rewire itself around that damaged area and then create what skills that we've lost and that's mm -hmm. exactly what this is but now we can do it consciously we know that when we're in this out-of-body state or or in cosmic consciousness or daydreaming or whatever it is and we make this connection that's in that field of energy around us we've stepped outside of our body we can go back to it. So it gives us the tools to to do this time and time again. And every time you go back to that specific spot, mm -hmm. you're strengthening that connection. Mm. Yeah, that's sort of something that I've been practicing, something similar to that, not exactly the same thing, but I've been working on something where, you know, just paying attention to the self-talk and my, like where my my thoughts are at, you know. And when I catch myself in, in, in these negative loops, now I'll try to replace it with a, a mantra of something that I want in my reality, you know, because, you know, that idea that this reality is just all being happening in my mind anyway, it's not a solid reality, you know. Anybody's had out-of-body experiences or done any of this kind of stuff, realize this reality is not really solid. So we can kind of manipulate it a little bit to what we want. You know, Gary, that is absolutely perfect. Now, I want to tell you one thing that the messengers have shared with me. And one thing I've learned over the years of my spontaneous channeling is the messengers speak the truth. It was not a truth I was ready to hear when it first happened, but mm -hmm. now I really trust it. When we're talking about, oh, we have an out-of-body experience, I am sure that there are a lot of your listeners that might say, yeah, but I've never had one. I've mm -hmm. never done that. Well, you know what? 
that's not so. Okay. <laughs> and the, the messengers have shared with me, and I write about it in my first book, The Reluctant Messenger. They have shared with me about something they call the POE, point of existence. Uh-huh. That is consciousness. That's where we are or where we think we are. And for most of us, as normal humans, we think that we are our physical bodies. You know, we're the ones that trip on the sidewalk or we're the ones that, you know, burn our hand on the stove or whatever. But we are so much into our physical bodies. So how on earth can you have an out-of-body experience? Well, I think you just mentioned something that's that's key. You're talking about, and sometimes you get this self-talk that's a little negative. Mm-hmm. Now, what what the messengers tell me is that that self-talk comes from the observer. And I have a very active observer, and she's usually critical, but, but in a nice way. It's like when I'm, you know, walking down the steps and I trip, she says, oh, you are such a klutz. Or she'll <laughs> say, oh, I hope... I hope no one saw you. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know. I hope they didn't either. But but through, all throughout the day, she's giving me this information about who I am, what I am, what I'm doing. But when that happens, when you have that self-talk, sit back and think about it. That's not your physical body right. telling you that. It is your observer. And so once the observer comes in, you can actually celebrate because that is the first sign that tells you your point of existence is not your body. Mm -hmm. You have just stepped outside your body into the observer. So you're now in this field of energy where your observer can say, boy, you really look nice today, don't you? Or, or, that outfit doesn't match. <laughs> but what, once that observer steps in, just like you said, Gary, sometimes your observer is negative. But this is where you can take control. And you can say, okay, I'm in the observer. That's great. That means I've moved into my field of existence. Now, this little Miss Critical who's making fun of me, I want you to step aside. And I want to expand and bring in another observer with a higher purpose, another observer who is willing to really work with me mm-hmm. and help me expand into becoming a better person. So your audience, you might think, oh, I can't do an, out, an OBE. You're doing it probably all the time. Yeah. And you certainly are at night when you dream because oh, that's yeah. not your physical body out there. That is your true essence mm-hmm. that leaves your body and communicates with this beautiful field of energy. Yeah. One of the interesting things about that too is um, when you when you realize that this, this talk is going on and you, you here's the, the observer, you know, the first thing I start thinking is like, huh, I'm actually observing the observer. So that means I have stepped out about not one step, but like two or three steps to actually see that level of consciousness. One of the things I get curious about now is how far out can a person step? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like how, it, it, I don't know, it's, it's like this weird thing because I can, 
see my observer from this other point of view, can I keep going outward and see how far out my, I can take my consciousness to see a broader perspective of myself and of well, the reality? What do you think, Gary? How far do you think you can step beyond I'm, that? I'm, I'm going to guess it's endless. Yes, yes. Now, in, um, in my first book, The Reluctant Messenger, I talk about um, a place, and I'm using air quotes here, that I have visited called the Realms of Light. And in the Realms of Light, in this non-physical world, there are ascended masters. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember meeting with someone called Quan Yin, and I'm thinking, who, what? Oh, yeah. you know, and, and, a Buddhist and was, teacher. Yes, but at the time, I didn't even know who she was. And this was, this is the type of information I was getting was stuff I knew nothing about, but later I could verify. And that's why I, I have really come to trust these beautiful messengers. But they have told me the only difference between us and our physical bodies and the ascended masters and the guides and the angels is how far they are on that path away from physicality and into source or God or Allah or supreme being or whatever words we use to describe that. And what you've just talked about is you started off in your physical body mm-hmm. and then there's that observer who says, me, me, me. And then you've stepped into the observer who says, wait a minute, I, I, I want something better for my life. I want to present something better. And then you're continuing to move on and on and on. Now, what I've done, there have been times, actually many times, where I have reached what is called cosmic consciousness. Mm-hmm. And kind of dovetailing back to Judith Pennington's mind mirror at Monroe Institute, she actually has a specific pattern to show when you're in cosmic consciousness. But when you're in cosmic consciousness, you are so far removed from your observer that you can barely even see your physical body. Mm -hmm. Now, if you ever get into that state, you can always return to your physical body. So don't let any kind of fear stop you from this. But when you're in cosmic consciousness, you are part of everything that there is. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of trees. I'm part of, of stars. There's, you, you know what entrainment is like mm-hmm. I, I can become this tiny molecule that is galaxies away and as i blink on and off there's another part of me that does the same thing but you realize we are everything we're part of all that is and as we go back down uh, air quotes again to our physical body we realize how dense that body is, that our true nature is not physical, but it's in this space, this field, where we connect to everything there is. And it's, it's 
a great place to be. <laughs> sure is. I had, you know, I had that kind of experience. I think I've told you the story about where I had the seizure and I was. Share it again, please. Uh, I had an epileptic seizure and it lasted a really long time. And I guess my organs were starting to shut down and stuff like that. And I found myself in this sort of black void and it was just colors and, and, and like music, but not necessarily music music that we hear. It was something else. Yes. And. But there was no fear, there was no loneliness, there was no pain, there was no craving. It was absolute, complete peace. And But I was completely aware. I was aware, I was still thinking thoughts. Um, I, I knew that something was happening. Um, it seemed familiar to me. Yes. And... Um, you know, and when I woke up, I really was kind of disappointed that I woke up because I was so, it was such a nice place to be without the uh, duality of what we experience here. You know, a couple of things you mentioned. One, one was about the music. When you're, when you're in this state, we're no longer in our physical bodies. So that means we're not limited by these five physical senses. Mm -hmm. We, hear things that are beyond what our ears can perceive, what our physical ears can perceive. We see things. We, we, we end up having something called synesthesia, yeah. where our senses blend because we are no longer discrete humans with an organ for hearing, an organ for sight. They all blend together. And you're right. It is something that's very familiar. Mm-hmm. That's where we came Why from. Do you... Exactly. Or at least a place that I've passed through on my way here. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, Gary, that's it. That That is the true essence of who we are. We are not our physical bodies. We're part of this beautiful field of energy that contains everything. And when we're there, there is no fear. You know, what? what is there to fear? No, there's nothing. Nothing, nothing. Nothing, it's just pure awareness and energy or frequency, whatever. You know, there's no human words quite, I think, to describe these things. You know, we I do the best, we, we all do sort of the best we can with it. <laughs> Try to tell people that it's out there. But, I mean, it's true that we don't have the words for it. But once you've been in there, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is just unbelievable. And it, and it does all go back to awareness. Once we become aware, I mean, what is consciousness other than awareness? But once we become aware of awareness, which is our observer, we realize we are the ones who are in control. Mm -hmm. We are the ones that can step beyond this physical density and step into where we're really from. I mean, before we came to Earth, and I didn't even used to believe in reincarnation before I had my opening in, in 2013. I was like, no, you know, there's, you, you're here, you die, you're gone. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's just logical 
that we came from somewhere. We're here to learn lessons or to whatever the purpose is, and then we'll travel on to where we came from before. And it's, it's a wonderful feeling, especially that knowledge of when you finally realize this is temporary, this too shall pass, our true essence is elsewhere. Yeah, it does take away the fear of death. But I don't know, in, in a weird way too though, it's left me, I don't know, questioning the purpose of this reality, you know, you know asking myself, am I doing this right? Am I serving my purpose? Um, how can I use the knowledge that there are things outside of the physical reality to help myself and other people in this reality? There's a whole other package to be open there. Yes, there is. And you know what? As we awaken and as we start looking at a greater purpose, which to me shows that we're starting to live through our hearts, what we're doing is having an experience that shares with everyone else and everything else in, in the universe and beyond. But it's also adding to the collective. And one thing the messengers have told me is that our earth is transitioning to a higher vibration, a higher vibrational frequency. And as she transitions, people, lonely people, lowly people, I shouldn't say lonely, lowly people like me are also expanding. I mean, here I am a psychologist who really didn't believe any of this until August 28, 2013, when all of a sudden I'm driving to work and I start channeling information. But I think that happened because it's part of Earth's transition. Those veils are thinning. It's allowing people like me who did not have a spiritual bone in my body to start witnessing and experiencing that there's so much more to life than what this physical body offers. But as we, some of us learn lessons, but as we experience and we choose to operate from a higher point of view, this is not only caused by Earth's transition, but it's also aiding in that process. Mm. Do you think? And that's, I'm not making that up. I mean, that's what the messengers tell me. I'm not smart yeah. enough to make that up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, the whole transition from the earth thing, too, is an interesting topic because I think that we, something happened on this planet that turned certain things off, I think. Because I believe that, that this, it appears to me from my episodes where I've done on like um, ancient archaeology and stuff like that, that there were more spiritually and more consciously aware civilizations. And it seems like something happened and some of that got shut off. So what do you think got turned off? I think one any... one is definitely our psychic abilities. Right. Okay. Our, our third eye, as people would say. I think that somehow, for some reason, I believe we were able to utilize that a lot more. And after, you know, a lot of people say, like, it's, it's after the younger dries, the flood thing, it, it we didn't have it anymore or it became less, I don't know powerful 
Right. But why? Why Why do you think they got... I, and I agree with you, because when you read about ancient civilizations, they did seem to be much more in tune with nature, um, much more... They have many more psychic abilities, mm-hmm. which I think we're moving toward that now. But what do you think happened that caused that to be shut down? I would like to think something, you know, fascinating or out of this world but unfortunately i think it's probably just something simple like we had this experience where the world almost got wiped out there was a few people left they had to start over again so they had to refocus their energy on basic physical needs and over time that became the focus and the other part of us got shut off until we achieved a certain level of uh ability to survive um and now it's sort of coming back on i think because we've reached that point and you know as a psychologist as you're saying this i'm stepping back and thinking okay that makes sense maslow's hierarchy you start off with food clothing shelter Mm -hmm. what do you need to survive and then you move up that that ladder toward more lofty things where we can go beyond just survival so that does make sense yeah so i guess i mean that's a possibility or there might be other things like extraterrestrial influences or you know i've heard ideas about negative entity influences and things like that too but i don't necessarily i don't buy into the negative entity entity theory so much Mm -hmm. because I don't know, one of the things I've read is like negativity on its own. It's just going to sort of destroy yourself anyway. Because that's what negative energy is going to do, you know. And so, and positive energy is just going to create out of control also. So they kind of need each other to create a balance, to create growth. Yes. Um, so I don't really buy into that one. The extraterrestrial one or an angelic one, I think it's possible too. Gary, I remember last time uh, I was a guest on your show, I, I mentioned something that occurred with me. Um, I was at Monroe Institute. This was the year before. And while I was there, I had a close encounter with a group of ET. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I even wrote a small book on it. I, I have a series of books called from the reluctant messenger and book number five is called close encounters but that is something that i had never had any interest in at all in fact i was actually a little afraid might be a little bit too strong of a word but i was really kind of hesitant i heard people talk about ets and ufos i didn't even know they were called uaps but it's like i'm not interested in that until I was at a program which had nothing to do with um, connecting with ETs. It was a program called NDE, Near-Death Experience Spectrum. And we were having what's called a free flow exercise. It was a free flow into Focus 15. Now, Monroe Institute uses different focus levels. And Focus 15 is, as you mentioned before, the void. 
So you are in this void and there's nothing but just pure potential. And I found myself being swept up into this vortex of light. And I had these ETs around me. And it's made me, it's forced me to take a look at ETs. And I've, I now realize they too are part of my guidance team. And I would have, would have never dreamt, dreamt that. I never thought about that. But it's so easy for me to step into this, still being tethered to the earth plane and thinking, oh, I only have uh, angels and, and guides that look like Moses or right. whatever, or Kuan Yin or Mother Mary. But guidance can come in many different forms. It can come as a butterfly. It can come as a tree. So why could it not also come as a cosmic being like an, like an ET? And I realized it can. Oh, absolutely. I believe that a lot of the extraterrestrial encounters, I think they, they use more con, they utilize consciousness in ways that we can't think of. You know, we all think about, when we think of ETs, we think about advanced technology, you know, a flying saucer in Area 51 being torn apart and put back together and things like that so we could get anti-gravity and free energy and things like that. But there's also this other aspect of consciousness that I, I hear more and more about. And when you also, when I think in terms of ETs, um, because they've come to me since that encounter, there was a part of me that made me realize maybe they're not an ET. Maybe they are us in the future. Yes, yeah, another theory. Because, you know, once we step outside of our physical bodies and we're in this field of energy, time really does not exist. Time is just something that we have on the earth plane. You know, what time is it? What day is it? What happened yesterday? What's going to happen in the future? But when you're in this field of energy, there is no such construct as time. So when these ETs come to us, perhaps they are us in the future. And that makes sense to me. It's like, don't judge what you see because of your belief systems. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a fear of, you know, what are these? And it's like, no, they are still part of consciousness and part of what I know now is my guidance team. And I'm very thankful. How do you let go of the judgment? Judgment, when judgment can be good or judgment can be bad. You know, we're, we're going through life and we're looking, oh, I like this, I don't want that. But stepping back and just getting, for me, getting rid of my mind, and that was hard to do as a psychologist, I'm a, I was always analyzing. I would look at something or a situation I would make a list. What's good? What's bad? What mm -hmm. do I need to do? So I stepped out of the energy of the brain and I moved into the heart. And when I would look at a situation that I in the past would judge, it's like, don't think about it, Candace. 
bring that energy down to the heart. Because when you bring it to the heart, Gary, the heart, the messengers tell me, is that portal to the other side. It's the portal to the field of energy. So bring it to the heart. I no longer think, but I feel. What is this? Okay. If I've made an error um, and something that I would interpret as a mistake, mm-hmm. and my logical mind would say, oh, you shouldn't have done that, it's bringing it to the heart, I realized this was an opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. What am I learning from this? But bringing wisdom from the heart, for me, is the best way to get away from the brain, from the judgment, from because for me, judgment means my ego is involved. And that's where my point of existence, who I think I am, resides in my brain. No, I want a larger wisdom. Just like the observer that comes in that wants to make fun of me when I trip. Mm-hmm. No, step aside. Take a take a, take another step, a step farther out, farther from the body, closer to the field of all that is. Mm. So that's kind of esoteric, but I hope it makes sense. It does. It, okay. you know, one of the other things like, like I try to do is uh, I remind myself that everything that I'm experiencing in this particular dimension or reality is dualistic. And if I'm, whatever it is, that if I'm feeling something negative, the other side of that duality is the positive end of it. So if I, the closer I can get to the middle of it, like the like the, the like the fulcrum of like a seesaw, then yes. the, the that's where I can be less judgmental and I can just look around and see both sides of it. Yes, and that is strictly being that observer. That is stepping above the emotions and just observing then you can really engage the heart and choose to go in a more positive direction mm-hmm. a direction with love or no direction at all just stay in that space you know? absolutely that's a good point but it's a little tricky it was tricky it's tricky for me to do in the heat of the moment when i'm feeling a whole bunch of endorphins or adrenaline or whatever you know and the brain is like firing like crazy it doesn't want to go to that place (laughs) well i mean and you said it the heat of the moment so think about that that means the emotions are coming in you're feeling fired up that's all things that we feel within the body so as soon as that information starts flooding us and it's like Maybe even your face is getting flushed or, mm-hmm. or your fists are getting tight. That's all physical. So at any point in time when you can just, you know, have that observer look and say, Oh, what's going on here? Then you're more likely to step out and become that neutral perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's a point of creation or a point of destruction too, because you guys kind of have to, you know, Discard one for the other. So it's it's an interesting, powerful place to be. And that's the thing. We really are powerful people. We are powerful. I shouldn't say people. We are powerful beings. And, you know, one thing I've learned from the messengers is 
and and I've been talking a lot of woo-woo stuff here, but it's not really woo-woo. It's all a matter of energy, vibrations, and frequencies. I start my first book with a quote from Tesla, who mm-hmm. says, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, vibration, and frequencies. And that is what it's all about. So if you are in a moment and you feel yourself getting heated up, you can change those vibrations. You can change those frequencies. It's not woo-woo. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a matter of smoothing out the vibrations and finding the frequencies that you want, the frequencies that then result in you unclenching your fist or literally cooling down. But it's a choice. And when people talk about you create your reality one minute or one second at a time, that seems like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you do that? Well, that's how you do it. Mm -hmm. When you see yourself in the moment, and again, you see yourself, that's your observer. You've stepped out into the field. And then the choice is yours in what direction, what frequency you want to engage in. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I think, like, like you know, people like that book, The Secret, and all, and all of that, like, it gave part of it, I think, you know, but it didn't work, it doesn't work for a lot of people, too, because I think there's a lot of clearing out that has to be done before you can really reach that place and learn how to navigate from that spot of the observer. You know, it takes a certain amount of discipline or practice or, um, or even just building yourself up to even convince yourself that it's going to work. And, you know, you just said it takes some cleaning out. And when you said that, it's like I got this snapshot. If you think of yourself as an energy field, and if your energy field is murky, and needs to be cleaned out or cleared out because you've got a thought here. You can't let go of this there. And and Mm -hmm. once you step into a field of energy where you can clean those things out and clear those things out, they will no longer bother you. Now, I remember reading a book once, uh, Jill Bolte-Taylor, My Stroke of Insight. It's a very short book, and she was a, a neural scientist who had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And so she she talks about something called the ninety second rule. And you know, as a brain scientist, she she knows that when something happens, and it goes back to way back when we were we lived in caves and we used to fight saber tooth tigers. If you're met with the saber-toothed tiger and it's right there in front of you, you have to do something or you're going to be its next meal. So your brain releases all this cortisol that allows you to fight, flight, or freeze. If you freeze, you're going to be its meal. But you have this burst of energy for you to survive. But within 90 seconds, Gary, And think of this as darkness within the energy body. 
all of that is flushed out of your system. It is totally gone within 90 seconds. Hmm. So what does that say? That was so powerful when I read that. What that says is, if you had a fight with your ex a week ago, or two months ago, or Mm -hmm. five years ago, and you're still angry about it, or hurt by it, or holding on to it, that is a choice. Now, your brain doesn't know the difference between meeting that saber-toothed tiger or your thoughts about it. It still releases that right. same, those same chemicals. But empower yourself. When you realize 90 seconds, that's it, it's gone, then you can choose to step into a different frequency. It's all about energy. So that was one of the most powerful things I think I've ever read where we realize if we're still holding on to something, that's a choice we've made. And then it goes back to, well, then why have we made that choice? And what are, what's, what could we do differently? Mm -hmm. But sometimes too, I think, you know, over a long term from childhood to adulthood, those patterns of energies just become a negative loop in people. And yes. then it has to be sort of cut off. You have to cut that circuit to stop that loop. And that's also kind of tricky. Because at that point, in order to stop that loop, you kind of have to be able to step out and observe yourself, first of all, just to see that the loop is even there. Yes, yes. Yes, that is so, that is so true. And that's the tr- um, trouble... Or that's, that's the way habits function. We get so ingrained that we think, well, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. But realizing that there are other options when we can step outside, you know, I, I like to, I, when I, before I retired, when I would work with students, I, I remember working with middle school students. I remember there were like three kids and they were always pushing each other's buttons. And I told them, I said, let's take a look at this. Of course, I didn't talk to them about the observer perspective, but I said, let's pretend that we are in a play and you all are directing this. So in essence, I was having them take a look at their behaviors so that they could see from a neutral point of view how student A would push the buttons of student B and how student B would react. But once they saw it, And as a director, they could slow it down. They could stop it. They could then imagine, well, what if I didn't respond that way? What if I didn't give that energy? What would happen? And they could see it. But it's a way of empowering yourself Mm -hmm. once you can observe and then actually realize those are habits. Those are beliefs. Beliefs can be Well, beliefs keep us on that path of being physical, but beliefs can change when we realize that's what they are, just beliefs. We can choose another belief system. We can choose to move beyond what has served us or probably not served us for many years. It's our choice. Yeah, and it's hard to, that's one of the challenges, I think, of this, this age that we live in because so many of these beliefs have been 
imposed, where we've been indoctrinated into them through governments and religions and corporations, because mm-hmm. they want us to believe certain things that's, so that way it benefits them. So they have power, so they have money, so they can sell us things. So they're constantly trying to control what yeah. we believe. And we're taught that from like this really young age. And then sometimes you're told like crazy stuff like, oh, if you don't believe this, you're going to go to hell. Or, exactly. or if you don't believe this, <clears throat> if you talk against your government, we're going to put you in jail. And, you know, so, so it's like really just pounded into us to believe all this crazy nonsense. And we can even be punished by in some countries or by some in some ways by just what we're thinking, like just like these thought police. It's absolutely yeah. bizarre. Oh, and you know what? It's perfect that you say thought police because our beliefs are the thoughts. And what I've learned to do through the messengers, they keep telling me about the importance of the heart and to use your heart for discernment. And I know part of that is because that's the uh, that's the portal to the other side. But when we're so wrapped up in our brains and we can't do this, we can't do that. What would happen? What would happen if this happened? Bring take I, I take a few deep breaths and I bring my energy back to my heart. And then it's like, what feels right for me? And I use that for discernment. I use that to guide me. You know, years ago, Gary, I, I remember I'd like be driving to work or whatever, and I'd have a thought that would say, oh, I shouldn't go this way. I shouldn't turn right. I should go straight. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's crazy, and I you go straight anyway. And then something happened. Mm-hmm. And I would say, oh, I knew better than that. And, I mean, it's not like, you know, there's a huge wreck, but I might run over something and get a flat tire. But, but there were, would be times throughout the day when guidance would just like tap me on the shoulder and say, don't do that. Go this way. Do something different. But I wouldn't trust it. And I cannot tell you how, I mean, it's been years since I've said, oh, I knew better than that. Because once your guidance starts coming in to just whisper to you, listen, pay attention, start Start trusting your heart or trusting your gut. <laughs> now, animals animals do this all the time. They call it instinct. Mm-hmm. They just move throughout their day led by what they know needs to lead them. Yeah, they don't question so that wrapped, shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're so wrapped up in our brains and the thought police that we let that guide us instead of dropping that energy down to our gut, to our heart, and letting that be our our guidance system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just really experienced that because I wasted a year in a relationship that I knew was, but you know, something else was going on. <laughs> I felt it. My gut, gut. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes we have to learn our lessons the hard way. Uh, and which means there might be a lot of pain, it might last for a long time, but if we learn that lesson, then we're advancing along that path, and that means that the next life we come into, we, it won't be presented to us again. 
we've evolved, hopefully. <laughs> if not, you're going to get the same lesson over and over until we finally get it. But do we really get it over and over if there's no such thing as time? And how can we... Yeah, who knows? But we can also use this no time to help us now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it's so difficult to really even talk in, about these things because if there is no time... How do we explain it? Well, you can't really. But what you can do is step into this field of energy, step into the void where we know there really is not time, and allow yourself, and you may think you're making this up, but that's okay, allow yourself to step into your true essence. You can actually go back into a previous life Mm -hmm. and Heal what was going on then, because it is, there isn't really no such thing as time. As you heal that aspect of yourself, it can help you in the current life. So that's a way to use time to your advantage by realizing you can go back and you can also go into the future and bring those aspects of your true self to your current lifetime. Mm-hmm. Now, if that's not confusing, I don't know what is. <laughs> I, I, I believe it, though, because like, yeah. I think that we're presented with probabilities to only choose the probability rather than and it appears linear, but it's really not. And also, I think sometimes even I think we don't necessarily think of our own lifetime because of the Mandela effect that we have switched lifetimes as a collective somehow. You know, because, you know, people do remember, like, Mandela dying when he didn't die. We remember things like a dash in a cap, Kit Kat bar when there is no dash. We remember a T being in the word Skechers and there's no T. So, (laughs) and the only real explanation, I think, for that is that somehow we've moved into a different timeline as a collective. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's part of the transition that Earth is going through. We are moving into a different timeline. Um, that's part of our transition into higher vibrational frequencies. And as we're into these different timelines, it's guiding us and we're guiding it with the decisions and choices that we make. And the more that we can bring our hearts into it, the more light that we are bringing so that those areas of not light will respond differently. Yeah. Yeah. So last time we talked too, we talked about the um, that crystalline grid type of thing about the pyramids and the grids and, and the oh, yeah. light. Um, so have you um, looked any more into into that and what is happening? <laughs> you know, it's I just love talking with you, and this is the way consciousness works. Of course, you have no idea that the last three weeks I had probably spent seven or eight hours a day (laughs) working on the crystalline grid. Now, in my first book, there's a chapter called the crystalline grid. Mm -hmm. And then I've mentioned I have the, you know, the topics in my first book are so varied. There are so many different topics Mm -hmm. that I've taken some of them and I put them into smaller books called 
from the reluctant messenger. What I'm working on now is book number three called The Crystalline Grid. Now, these five books are already out in e-form and I'm, I'm moving them slowly into print. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on The Crystalline Grid right now and it's much different than what's in the first book and what's actually out there in, um, uh, in an ebook format. And it's going to be out in probably two weeks. But the more I start working on, on these books, the, the more information comes to me. Um, I also started doing a program last weekend called the seven I am codes. These are apparently light codes from ancient times or, or from Jesus. Mm-hmm. And these light codes are embedded in the body and they connect us to source. Hmm. I'm probably not, not saying this right, but as I went through, I had a three day workshop last weekend and I realized everything that they were sharing with us had to do with the crystalline grid. These light codes and on the crystalline grid, everybody has their own grid. And then we have a crystalline grid around the earth. And that grid connects us, each human to it. That grid around the earth also protects earth, keeps its energy intact, but it also protects from negative influences. Mm-hmm. It's also a communication grid. So for others to, other cosmic beings, ETs, whatever you want to call it, star beings, they can connect with us through that crystalline grid. So I'm getting so much more information than, than what I knew about before. Um, in the book, I talk about a meditation that I had. And in this meditation, I had a vision and this was, I had only been channeling for about a year. And in this vision, I was in Teotihuacan, Mexico. Okay. First of all, I've never even heard of that. I knew nothing about Teotihuacan. And there was a shaman on top of a step pyramid Mm -hmm. and he had this huge staff with a giant quartz crystal on top of it. And I then had that observer perspective from way above the earth. And I saw a shaman on another pyramid in um, Mesopotamia and another one in France. And they were all shooting these electrified currents into the air. And they formed this holographic pyramid that then became a teleportation device. And the shamans, and here I am in Teotihuacan, he had his whole group with him. Mm-hmm. And this is information that I just got like in the last couple of weeks. The whole group was getting ready to return to the stars because that's where they were from. And so they use this teleportation device to return to the stars, but it needed to be powered. And it was powered by the crystalline grid. So the shamans laid the foundation for the earth grid when, when they use their staffs, etc. 
So it's just like, anyway, crazy kind of vision with so much detail. And again, more of the detail came to me just in the last couple of weeks. Now, I, you know, when I started channeling, all of this was new to me, Gary. I had lived my life as a pragmatic, down-to-earth psychologist. I didn't know about any of this. Well, my son from Nashville called me, and I started telling him. This was you know, a couple of years ago when this happened. I was telling him about, you know, these shamans in Teotihuacan. He said, I know. I thought, you know? Hmm. He said, I saw it. I thought, oh, my gosh, my son also has oh. these visions. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, oh, this is crazy. And then he said, no, I saw it on TV. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> what do you mean you saw it on TV? Well, Gary, he told me about ancient aliens. Mm. I did not watch TV then. I had no idea about it. But I was just shocked when he talked about Oh, ancient aliens, they talk about Teotihuacan, they talk about the ancient shamans, they talk about pyramids used as, you know, teleportation devices, all this information that had come to me without me knowing at all. But anyway, so, yes, the um, crystalline grid is still very much in the forefront of my thoughts these last few weeks. Wow. You know, I have a tattoo of a flying saucer flying over the pyramids on my leg. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm afraid to ask you where it is, but maybe it's, you it's can on, show it's on, it to me. It's on my leg. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, you know, oh, oh, that's one of the things that bring, sort of brings me back to that whole idea that there was an ancient civilization on this planet using this type of technology – I don't know necessarily what they were using it for, but they, I think they had an awareness of, of the use of, of crystals, of ley lines, yes. of um, yeah. somehow extracting energy out of the air. Yes. I am getting absolute cold chills as you say that, and that's that's always an indicator to me that someone is speaking the truth. And, you know, w what I was told just a few weeks ago is – the shamans and the groups that they were with, you know, the one, me being in Mexico, um, they had come from the stars because they were on a planet that was destroyed and they needed a place to go. So they came here and they tapped into the energy of Earth and they did exactly what they needed to do, whatever that means, to survive. But it was time for them to return and they used the energy that they'd learned to manipulate from Earth to build this grid. And also they used the energy from the stars to build this mm -hmm. grid. And once again, that is what allowed them to exit all at one time to return home. So they were already, as you were saying, they were already advanced. They were psychic. They knew how to do things. And they left all at one time by using the grid to, to fuel that holographic pyramid as a teleportation device. Mm -hmm. In this case, as I was there and observing, 
there was not anything negative that occurred. It's not like that, you know, comet hit the planet or anything like that. But they had come to Earth. They gathered what they needed to gather. And I think they'd been there for generations. And it was just time for them to return to the stars. So they did all at once. It was a mass um, exodus. Wow. Do you think that's something that still goes on? Do you, you know, like we, we always hear about like missing civilizations and, you know, or, or people like, like say like there's a volcano going off somewhere. Do you think like, say like the, that grid can be activated and there's people be teleported to another planet where they're safe? I, you know, I, I certainly don't know, but that's what happened in, in, in this case. Hmm. Now, the grid is used, if you're on the earth, you can connect to the grid. And they tell me that the grid is stationary, but the earth moves. Okay, so you, we continually reconnect to the grid in order for us to communicate. That's how psychic psychics communicate with other people or or you know, whatever is through that grid, because it's all energy, but it's also a living entity. Uh, talk about something that's difficult for many of us to wrap our mm -hmm. heads around, is how can a grid be a living entity? But it is, and it's one of protection. It's one that can fuel us, but it's one that allows us to communicate. And that was the power that um, helped this mass exodus. So could it happen now? I don't see why it couldn't. Hmm. I wonder why the, I, I mean, they must have left it behind for a reason. You know, either for us to figure out how to use or for them to use it to return. Right. Well, they used it to return. The shamans actually set down the foundations for it, but then they actually built it in order to fuel that teleportation device. But they didn't deactivate it. Right. They they talked about they were leaving keepers of the grid to protect it. And I just looked this up last week. So who are the keepers of the grid? This mm -hmm. was not something that I had even put in my first book. And I was so surprised, um, Dolores Cannon, and I've had many people say, do you read her? It's like, no, I never have. Yeah, she's amazing. But I, but I, I started reading some of her, her stuff about the earth and about the earth grid. I had no idea that she also knew about this, but that earth grid is being protected by what the messengers told me were keepers of the grid. Well, in one of her books, she has a chapter called Keepers of the Earth Grid. Wow. And they are tasked with reactivating the grid. So right now, the grid is not fully activated, but those keepers of the grid will be keeping it or will be reactivating it, or maybe they have now. I just, you know, I don't know. Hmm. But it's it's fascinating to me to to learn about these things so so maybe that's part of the transformation that the earth is going through yes and that's exactly what they said they said as earth transitions there 
that the keepers of the grid would be part of the transformation. And another evolutionary step would be that we would have we would change from carbon-based bodies mm -hmm. to crystalline bodies. Mm. And I thought, well, how's that going to happen? And I, I found some research by a medical doctor. Uh, I don't remember his first name. His last name is Cousins, C-O-U-S-E-N-S. And Dr. Cousins talks about how there's already so many crystalline structures within the physical body, that that is part of the evolutionary process. Wow, I'll have to look that up. No, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. I can't, I wonder what a crystalline being would even be like. It's weird. But yeah, I mean, but crystal and all that stuff is made out of carbon, so. Oh my gosh, I never even thought of that. Of course it is. Oh, that really makes so much more sense now. Oh my gosh, Gary, thank you. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm just finishing up the print edition for this book. I'm going to have to add that part to it. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, like a diamond is just, all it is is pure carbon. You're right. You're absolutely right. Okay, yeah, I'm going to do a little more research. <laughs> thank you. Huh. It is something to think about. It? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, and this is what, what I absolutely love about the experiences I've had. You know, I, so many things have come to me that I knew nothing about, zero about. Yet then when I start to research, I get all these, you know, search engine hits that like, wow. But what I really love are these spontaneous hits, just like our conversations where all of a sudden someone gives you a book or you look up something. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't, you don't look it up. It's just given to you. Just like your comment about carbon to diamond, carbon <laughs> to crystal. Of course. It is, is weird. But those are the most valuable, just those mm -hmm. unsolicited. You know, it, those are the, your angels and guides at ET saying, Ding, you know, here's here's something for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll admit, like even before I, when I started this podcast, like I was a believer in some of this stuff, but I wasn't a believer in all of it. You know what I mean? You yeah. know, and I didn't also didn't believe I could have those type of experiences. You know, I had the, my near death experience, and I had you know some other paranormal things or whatever. But now I completely believe that there is so much more um, that exists and so more, many more possibilities than I could ever imagine. So. Absolutely. You know, at Monroe Institute, um, Bob Monroe used to have affirmations, and his affirmations would begin with, I am more than my physical body. And that is so precise but it's also so profound mm -hmm. if we just recognize that we are so much more than our physical bodies that empowers us to step outside the physical and do whatever we want to do yeah another thing that i remind myself about sometimes is that my physical body is actually made out of heavy elements that were from an exploded star and then those elements or the molecules that I'm made out of are involved in this process of quantum entanglement 
yes. connecting me to absolutely everything else in the universe all the way back to creation. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So even in the physical sense, that is a true statement. Yeah. Interesting. You know, it, it, it's it's all about energy. It's, it's you know, I, that series I've started the, from The Reluctant Messenger, the, the first book of that is called In the Beginning. And I describe how I actually witnessed creation and as crazy as that sounds you know i did i was part of all that was i i i saw energies moving together i saw for over an entire week messengers would come to me with a different perspective on what i was witnessing I heard it from a perspective of, you know, of, of astronomy, of um, quantum physics, of religion, and I learned about gravity wells. I saw um, an event horizon. I saw stars form. I saw the singularity. And I saw it through all these different prisms. But we are more than our physical bodies. And when we can step outside and actually expand to where we can tap into that quantum entanglement, we can see that we exist everywhere. Yeah. But the, the, the trick is, coming back down to our physical bodies because we have to have those bodies to survive in this 3d world but to understand by using our hearts we can step into that field and lead a better life mm. lead a life that's filled with love and filled with light and by doing that not only will our lives be better but we're helping all of those around us as well. That's a beautiful thought. Um, I think this is probably a good place to wrap it up too with that thought because that's a, a really good statement. You know, it's just reminding people like we are creation. We've all witnessed it because we're a part of it. And you can't really, yes. can't really even, nobody can even argue that. It can't be argued. You know, it's, it has to be fact. So it's definitely a really beautiful thing. Um, but before we wrap it up, too, where is the best place for my listeners to find you and to find your books? My books are all on Amazon, or they can go to my website, which is Candice, C-A-N-D-I-C-E, Sanderson.com. Right. And right. I, I'm on lots of social media. They can find all that through my website. <laughs> I'll put the links to the Amazon page and to your website in the notice of this episode and it was a pleasure having you back on and we'll do it again sometime and hang on for one moment and i'm going to play the outro Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com. 
message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. If you loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable with Gary Cochulio.